Good morning, church. Let's let's try that again. Seems like it's twice I always had Hesse Kaboom. Good morning. You guys awake? Uh, okay, we'll see how we go after about half an hour, okay? But be awake because we were talking about Genesis and we'll be talking about it for the whole year and this is, I won't call it climax, climax of Genesis, but I'll say this is the point where I think this is a promise that is fulfilled. Um, you know, and, and I guess the first question I want to ask you guys is how many of you have ever kept a promise? Just put your hand up. Ever. I'm sure you guys all have, right? You've all kept a promise. And how many of you have ever broken a promise? Yeah, most of us have also broken that promise. Um, I remember when I was in primary school um, and I wanted to, you know, do really well in my tests and my mum and dad said to me, you know, for every A plus that you get, I'm going to give you $2. That was worth a lot back then, okay? I'm old. Um, so that you can buy your toys or whatever. And I think I got A pluses in almost every test. And then I said, look, look, I get, you know, however much money. And my mum and dad said, no, no, you're not getting that. Like, that's too much money. I'm like, but you promised. You promised this is what I would have. And I remember that broken promise. I remember how like, sad I was and how, how much that meant to me. Um, and, and I think for this promise, being fulfilled is a big thing. Um, and I want to delve into this a bit deeper. And I want to ask you, what's the longest promise you've ever kept? Maybe one year, maybe one month, maybe five years, ten years, whatever it is. I want you to think about one promise that you've made and the longest promise that you've kept, Okay. Because we see God's promise fulfilled through the birth of Isaac. And I want to break this down for you guys today. But before we do that, why don't we pray? Father God, um, you just guide uh, my words this morning, this afternoon, that my words will be your words, Father God. Uh, And that as we see this promise being fulfilled, Lord, um, that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so follow with me in Genesis chapter 21. Um, verse 1 to 21, I'm going to go through verse 1 and 2 first, okay? So if you're already on your phones, please open the Bible app and look through that. <laughs> um, otherwise, here it is. 1 to 2. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, and at, so at the very time God had promised him. So the Lord was gracious to Sarah. Lord did for Sarah. In, in the New King James Version, instead of gracious, it actually says visited. So this is kind of like, okay, this is it. You know, here comes the promise. This is about to happen, okay? But remember, like I asked you, how long have you kept promises for in your life, okay? How long was this promise for? Remember in verse, if you look later in verse 5, Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. So this promise was 25 years later. Can I ask you guys, maybe some of you guys aren't 25 years old, okay? But how many of you guys have kept a promise for longer than 25 years? Okay, maybe through marriage or whatever it is, okay? There's those promises there. Well done if you've been able to do that. But, you know, how many of us can wait expectantly for 25 years for this promise? You know, in in verse 1 and 2, it says, as he had said, what he had promised. At the very time, God had promised him. And it shows that God's promise never fails, Unlike ours, which can be sometimes conditional. I promise if you do this for me. I promise if you can do this, I'll do this. It's all conditional here. 
But if God says it is, if it's in his word, it will happen. Not because of our obedience, but because God is faithful, okay? He cannot be untrue to himself. He will not go against his word. So as we look through verse 3 to 7, I'm going to just talk about this quickly. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I've borne him a son in his old age. So in verse 3, we have the name Isaac, which means one who laughs, one who rejoices. And, you know, this is not the first reference of laughing in Abraham and Sarah's story. Again, let's look at verse 5. You know, Abraham was 100 years old when his son was born to him. Isaac was born to him. In Genesis 17, 17, when Abraham was 99, he fell down, fell face down and laughed, saying to himself, should a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Think about your grandma or your grandpa having a child right now. No, right? Almost impossible. In Genesis 18, 12, Sarah also laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my husband is old, should I have a baby? They were both laughing at the ridiculousness of having a child at such an old age. But you can see Sarah's response now in verse 6 to 7 that this laughter is, is not about, you know, you know, just ridiculousness, but just the joy, the joy of God's promise being fulfilled. Because what God promises, he does. What God promises, he does in his timing. And it's like how this song goes, though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. So let's look at this word laugh, okay? Because I want to share a moment in my life where we laugh at the ridiculousness of the situation and then we laugh after at God's goodness. Um, Not very long ago, okay, probably about a week ago now, I think, um, we wanted to have a holiday. So we went to Sydney for a trip. We wanted to do it on the cheap. So here's our laugh moment, okay? So we hired a one-way motorhome. You hear about these relocation deals, and it's great. It's $1. You go to get to a motorhome. It's really cheap. I don't recommend it, okay? (laughs) Maybe if you don't have kids, go for it. But with four kids, it was not fun, okay? If you can imagine being in a car, a really big car with cutlery, like just you know, jiggling away on the freeway, going through mountains, slamming the accelerator as far as you can, at being like a truck, going really slow, people being car sick because there are two seats of the other way, other way around, all this sort of stuff. But it's okay. It was a cheap holiday. So I said, okay. So then we got to Sydney, we hired a car for two days, and then on the day that we were meant to leave Sydney to come back to Melbourne, as you probably heard all in the news, our flight got cancelled the morning we were due to leave. Here I had packed up, checked out, done everything, and I was like, okay, God, what do I do? Okay, I rang up. I booked with my Qantas frequent flyer points because, again, I wanted to do on the cheap. And I said, what, what can you do for me? You know, I have four young kids. I need help. I need something. It's like, oh, yeah, we have these seats for you, but they're $700 a person. Think, 
Sydney to Melbourne. We're not going to Singapore or Hong Kong. This is just a domestic flight. So it's either that or I find flights to come back to Melbourne on Sunday. Context is I had a New Life Kids Leaders Day on the Saturday. I had to preach at Kids Church on Sunday. That was not possible. So in the end, we found one place to hire a one-way car hire that was the least expensive, okay? It was still an insane, insane amount of money, but we found a one-way car hire. And obviously, we didn't want our kids to be awake for nine hours as we drove back from City Melbourne because that would just be insane. Um, so we drove through the night. Um, Beck was meant to help drive, but Aubrey was crying like crazy. So in the end, I drove nine hours through the night. Um, I got to bed at 5.30 in the morning, and then I went to my leader's day at 9 a.m. Sounds crazy, right? <laughs> Maybe for you young girls, I do all-nighters all the time. It's fine. But for me, at my age, I, I, I just can't, okay? Um, and that was my laugh moment. I was like, okay, here we go, God. What, what's, what's happening here? Um, but here is my laugh after moment. You know, the motorhome was a cheap holiday. We asked for it and we prayed for a cheap holiday and we got one. The motorhome was $3 to hire. That was it. Okay? We prayed because we didn't want COVID because we've heard of so many of our friends getting COVID at the airport. If you don't know about my mum and her health story and all that, we didn't want my parents and my mum to get, you know, because they live next to us, we didn't want her to get sick. So we, you know, we all had this. Um, and we all still had the flu, actually. So before our holiday, we've actually been sick for about eight weeks. Uh, we all had two strains of flu, and it's just been crazy. So to then be sick on a holiday and then get COVID would just be horrible, as you guys that have had COVID understand. Um, but as I said, that was God providing because we didn't want to get COVID. So the safest way was to drive one way back to Melbourne. Um, I was able to make it to my leader's day. And it ended up being a testimony at the Leaders' Day. Again, that was a testimony. God answered that prayer. And most likely, I can claim this with travel insurance, so it's not so bad. You know, I look back and I laugh after, right? And I was able to get my flight refunded and my points back. For you guys that know when your flight gets cancelled, you get some silly coupon, credit, whatever, and you never use it ever again. But I got everything refunded. So all in all, it was an exhausting and tiring holiday for a family of six but he answered all of our prayers. He provided and he protected us. God provided a way for us to get to our holiday and to get home. And, and can I be honest, after the motorhome, um, if you don't know already, um, we've had our journey of being in a new house and we've had a, a seven-year building of our house and we're in, we've been in since March. Um, and we never appreciated our house so much before. We never even appreciated a hotel room as much as we did before. Being in like a, a t it looks great in theory, a motorhome, when you've got a table, you convert it to a bed, and then you've got to do all this. But when you're exhausted, you're hungry, you just want things done. And it was so nice just to be home, to be in your bed, to have running water, so not having to empty your poo and pee and all this kind of stuff. Again, it sounds great in theory, but... You know, we just saw this house, this new house in a new light and how good he was to us. Again, he was providing for a house that we could never have afforded to buy. Not at our rate of our income, not at the rate of the expenses of raising four girls, not at the rate that house prices are going crazy at the moment. You know, in human eyes, we look at things and it's impossible, but with God, it is done. With God, it is done. 
And so like many people in the Bible, like Sarah and Abraham, we saw God at work, just not in the way we were expecting. And the funny story is all of this, I think that this holiday was so tiring and not worth it. Evie still rated this holiday an 8 out of 10. I'm like, she was the one that got the most car sick. She was the one that was, you know, had to do the most things, being the oldest, all this kind of stuff. And she still rated it 8 out of 10. Um, I guess that compares to the first week of the holidays where she was sick like crazy and had a fever and everything. So, you know. But anyway, yeah, I was upset during the holiday. I can't say I was completely happy. But we kept being faithful, trusting in him, and we chose to trust and obey. You know, so how many of us have had that laugh and laugh after moment in how God provides for us? Have a think. Let's move on to verse 8 and verse 10. So the child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share an inheritance with my son Isaac. So verse 9 where Ishmael was mocking Isaac. So Ishmael was probably around 16 to 17 years of age, so teenager, teenager days, okay? And if you guys are 16 or 17 here, just put your hand up if you're listening. Okay, one, maybe. So the irony here of this mocking meaning, mocking in Hebrew also means laugh, scorn, scoff. So again, we're talking about laughing here. It's that same word, but it's a different context here. So I want to give you a bit of context, okay? You've got a 16 to 17-year-old mocking a three-year-old, okay? In your mind, it's totally, totally reasonable to think that's totally unacceptable, right? Which it is. But before Isaac, Ishmael thought he would be the heir to Abraham. He basically had his whole world turned upside down ever since birth and things are about to get worse for him. So that's why the mocking, that's why this is not fair. And then verse 10, Sarah demands that Hagar and Ishmael are banished. So there's nothing here about Sarah going to God prayerfully about this. And it's also ironic since Sarah is the one who originally got Hagar to have a child with Abraham. But also in a way we can understand the instinct of a protective mother to protect her own child. But, you know, either way, as a master over her slave woman, Sarah used her power to ask Hagar and Ishmael to leave. So we can see how Sarah responds. How does Abraham respond? You know, he goes to the Lord in prayer, not through emotions, but through prayer. Verse 11 to 13. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not. Be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. So in verse 11, as any father of a child would respond, he was distressed. So if we look, distress, that doesn't sound very great, right? But if we look at the New King James Version, it says very displeasing. In Hebrew, it means to tremble, to quiver. He was angry. He was distressed, just does not give it justice. 
But ultimately, Abraham had to choose one spouse over the other, one son over the other, and all because of sin. The choices we make, the sin that we commit just makes things complicated in our life, doesn't it? And then in verse 12 to 13, God also asks Abraham to send Ishmael away and again reminds Abraham that his promise never fails, like the start of this chapter. In his goodness, you know, God extends his kindness to Ishmael to make him into a nation because, because he is Abraham's son. We have the promise of God from Isaac, sure, the promised child and the promised land and the promised people. But we also have the outcomes of the flesh and the nation from Ishmael. In Genesis 16 verse 12, God says that he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility towards all of his brothers. So God is inviting us to see the difference between outcomes, between when we trust and wait upon the Lord versus when we take control over thinking we know best. Let me say that again. God is inviting us to see the difference between outcomes between when we trust and wait upon the Lord versus when we take control over thinking we know best. Okay, we've got two perspectives here, but in both instances, God is still good. He still provides. You know, he and Sarah tried to fulfill God's promise through human methods, but even in this, we can see God's kindness. You know, if we, if we think that if they stayed, that they probably would have been even worse fighting in the family. So God had his reasons. And at this point, I want to stop and ask you guys, are there times in your life when we can see that God has allowed a bad thing to happen to avoid something worse happening? Are there times in your life when we can see that God has allowed a bad thing to happen to avoid something worse happening? So I've talked about my Sydney holiday. I've talked about eight weeks of sickness. The week before our holiday, um, I want to share something with you guys. So I shared about the eight weeks. And the week before our holiday, um, Beck had a car accident. Um, As you can imagine, when you had kids sick for eight weeks, she was tired. She was also sick. Um, she drove into a fence, she was okay, um, and there were no pedestrians that were hurt. And it was off Springvale Road, and you know Springvale Road being a very, very fast road, um, and wasn't very far away from where we live. Um, and as you can imagine, she was upset, she was so annoyed over the situation and the additional expenses of, of what has to happen now. To me, I was just glad that she was safe. When we had the tow guy come, he said, look, I think your car is going to be a write-off. Um, and I was like, we, we can't afford another car right now. You know second-hand car prices are just going crazy right now. Um, but you know what? For me, it could have been so much worse, the bad things that happened. The accident was on Springvale Road. Um, I only just found out this morning that Beck narrowly missed a power pole. Like, that could have been far worse. Um, there could have been people on that footpath as she turned. There could have been someone walking with a baby on that road. It could have been a damage to another car at 80 kilometres an hour. But no, it was just to a fence. That was it. So even here, God was kind to us. 
even in our mistakes, even in our consequences, God is kind. God is kind. Um, and to be honest, we're still praying that God will provide. Um, we've got a, um, a, I got a phone call from the repair place and said, look, I, I think we can do it. It might be just, your car might not just be a write-up. So you may still be able to have your car back. And I'm thankful, hi, mum and dad, that I can borrow their car. So we still are able to keep going. I'm still able to get to church. I'm still able to get to places. So God's purposes are greater than we can understand. In the moment when bad things happen and we think that's the worst, things can be worse than that. God's purposes are greater than we can understand. And I, got, I found this from another sermon. It says, his purposes are greater than my circumstances. His purposes are greater than my circumstances. You know, God is faithful and his promises always prove true. In the bad, in the worst, in when you think there is no hope, his promises can ring true. Okay, let's move on to verse 14 and 16. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Yeshiva. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. So Hagar went out, not knowing where she was. And as the water dried up, they were most likely dehydrated. There she placed Ishmael under one of the bushes. Now remember, Ishmael is a teenager, not a three-year-old boy, but a teenager. You know, I'd have a guess that Hagar would have given most of the water to him to survive as a mother would, and yet she had to carry her son to the bushes. And then in verse 16, you know, this is it. Hagar feels like, this is the end. This is the end of my life. That's it. I'm in the desert. And she sobs. You know, she can't bear to watch her son die. There is no hope. Even God can't save me here. And that's the thing. It's easy to forget what promises God has given us in these moments of desperation, isn't it? You know, I've shared you the many times that I've tried to commit suicide. I've shared you the many times that I've felt like giving up in my life and all these moments. And it's in these moments that we need to remember the promises of God. It's at this point, there are moments we cry out to God with our last breath. So what happens? You know, let's end this off in verse 17 to 21. You know, God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Don't, do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and saw, she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. So how does God respond in verse 17? God hears our crying. God hears the cries. He knows our heart. So you know, in those moments of despair, in those moments where they feel like you feel like there is no one else, he knows your heart. And then in verse 18, God's promise. 
he will still provide for Ishmael, making him into a great nation. In a sure, not the promise of Isaac, not the covenant, but still a promise. And it says here, lift the boy up and take him by his hand, by the hand. So don't abandon your son and hold on to God's promise. Again, just hang tight. Hold on to this promise I have. And again, but still a great nation. So the descendants of Ishmael were the Ishmaelites. And then we had 12 sons, and you'll find about that a bit later on. Um, Verse 19, God opens Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well of water. So whether it was there the whole time or as a miracle, we don't know. Um, And it's sometimes only when the water runs dry and we desperately cry out, right, then we see God's provisions and answers to our prayers. But church, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be until that last breath that we then cry out to God. We can choose to live a life of trust despite our circumstances. I shared to you about my, the car accident. I shared to you about my Sydney trip. I would have, could have gone to the very ends of the earth to try to do everything on my own strength. But we just need to trust God in our circumstances. And then we look at verse 20 to 21. So at the subtle end of this text, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. And it's easy to think, sure, you know, the parents back then would arrange, arrange marriages in ancient times. But there is no mention of Hagar seeking God or Ishmael seeking God at all. And just again, it shows that how the flesh can take over decision-making over God. How when we make choices, we, we think are right over God. Hagar hears Ishmael's cry, but doesn't turn to God. But God is God in His God's kindness intervenes. She now chooses a wife without seeking God. But all in this, Ishmael stays silent. All while in verse twenty it says, "God was with the boy." How many of us are like that when God is like their footprints in the sand? We, we have these promises. We have these provisions. We have these answers. We just accept it to go, oh, thank you. Yeah, it was just good luck. It, it's just coincidence. But when is, it through the, when is it in those moments that we truly say, thank you, God? When is it in those moments that, God, thank you for providing to seek him first? Um, and I just want to ask um, just the music team to come up. That would be great. Um, I kind of want to end my message today with what I shared with my New Life Kids leaders um, on Saturday. Um, and it's a sermon from um, Pastor Ezra when I went to Kid Shaper Conference a few years ago. And it's called Christ Call Context. Um, what I mean by that is context is your day-to-day. It's your job. It's your decisions. It's the things that happen where you have to make a decision. We look at our call. We look at what you're asking me to do. What's pulling me away? What's pulling me towards Christ? And then we look at Christ. What affects my core values right now with everything that's happening? So actually, like Hagar, a lot of the things that we go through, some some of our situations actually go in the other way around. Context, call, Christ. We look at our careers, we look at our finances, we look at what's going on at school, 
um, as Maylee prayed about peer pressure, we all these things, and we look at our context first, the day to day, and then we seek God, and then we wonder, Christ, God, where are you in all of this? Again, I talked to you many times. I've talked to you about our house and how God has provided over seven years. I talked about us being sick for eight weeks and then having a car accident in the process and then having a holiday and still God providing. Since March, this context hasn't stopped in our life. There are many times Beck and I have gone like, I just need a break. <laughs> I'm done. I'm so tired. But that's, that's not the point. The point is for me is to understand Christ's call, contact, is to continually centre God in all of these moments that I have and say, God, is there anything I'm doing that is not according to your will? Is there something you want me to change in my life so that I follow you in a greater purpose? Because in all of these moments, we have tried our very best to do Christ's call, context. In all these moments, we have seen God provide, care, shine His light in all of these moments. So church, can I ask, are there moments that God is trying to reveal to you His promises and His kindness? Like the well that Hagar was there. It suddenly appeared a miracle. We, we, we don't know. But is there things in your life that God needs to reveal to you this morning? Well, you're not so focused on your day-to-day, but to say, God, just show me the way. Show me what you want me to do. Are you positioning yourself to see His goodness? Are you listening for His promises? Or are you just doing what your gut feeling is telling you to do? Are you just doing what you want? Are you doing what feels comfortable? When we go into our prayer and fasting month in August, can I pray that whatever you give up is uncomfortable? That's where I can be honestly, be for sure that's where God's promises will ring true and will test you the most. Are you connecting yourself to Him? Again, in Australia, when our life is so comfortable, it's so easy to do things without God. But are you connecting yourself to Him every day, day to day in your context? Are you waiting on Him and giving Him your circumstances? Or you're just winging life as day as it comes. Are you teaching your heart to know, to know that He is faithful and His promises prove true? The moments where we think, is God real in my life? To understand the promises, to understand how He provides, that He is true. And His Word will never fail. And that He is trustworthy. Because that is the God we serve. That is the God that we serve. This is the God who loves us, that has been there, the thick and thin. This is the God who loves us. And this is why we can have peace that surpasses understanding no matter what happens. So I just want you, church, just today, just to close your eyes and just to reflect in those moments in your life, the Christ's call context, thinking of Hagar and Ishmael and the story, thinking about Isaac's promises, all of this. And what are moments in your life that you need to give to God today? 
to understand that His promises ring true in your life. I want you just to give that to God today. Father God, we thank you for for your promise and your word, your unchanging word, your unconditional love for us, Father. Yet in these moments, we choose our own walk. There are moments where we make the decisions, God. But I pray, Father God, that we put you first as we understand that your promises ring true, that you are faithful, that you are just, that you provide, Lord, that you know the answers to our prayers, Father God. And I pray, Father God, that we will be able to seek you first, not in the desperate cries in our heart, not that we should give that, the, 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 give those moments up of desperation when we need it. But Father, I just pray that we're able to seek you with all of our heart in all of these moments, through life's decisions, through our careers, through our school through our friendship, through our families, through hard decisions and easy decisions, through our day-to-day, Father God, that we remember that your promises ring true, that you are the answer to our prayers, Father God. Lord, as you've shown in my family's life of how you provide, that may God, may we remember that how you provide in our life in all things, Father God. It may not be according to what we want but your purposes are beyond our circumstances, God. You know the way. You know the path for us. And I pray, Lord, that we can be steadfast and know that your peace surpasses all understanding, Father God. May you ring true in our life that you are the provider, Jehovah, Jireh, that God, you are the everlasting life that we can look to. In Jesus' name.